Um, I'm happy to report now um, since since that March 29th aircraft, that March 29th ambulance, we now have 18 ambulances in Ukraine. Um, I've been there three times. I've personally driven in ambulances uh, in two different convoys um, into uh, different parts of Ukraine, into Rivna, to Kiev, into Lviv, Odessa, um, uh, really all over the country. Um, and I'm happy to report we've got another 10 ambulances lined up um, and now a few fire engines actually for the seventh shipment of ambulances. Hello and welcome to another edition of EMS One Stop. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and today we're going to talk about the Ukraine and, more importantly, ambulances for Ukraine. Some of you may have seen that there is an organization that is collecting, um, let's call them previously enjoyed ambulances, and send them off to the war effort, which, of course, is essential and much needed. And I'm joined today by Chris Manson, who is from US Ambulances for Ukraine, and also from someone who's actually donated an ambulance to Ukraine at the Richmond Ambulance Authority, and that's my good friend and media partner in crime, Mark Tenya. Guys, welcome. Thank you, Rob. Let's start with you, Chris, and talk about the backstory of uh, US ambulances for Ukraine. What gave the idea? How did it start? And of course, how's it going? Yeah, sure. So back in uh, um, February after the... uh, the, the latest invasion into Ukraine by Russia, um, I'd watch the news with my daughter. I have a seven-year-old daughter, and we'd watch, and um, as we'd watch the what was going on, you know, you'd try to turn the TV so she didn't see too much of what was going on, but she saw enough to realize bad things were happening and that there was a lot of suffering. And at one point, um, she turned to me and said, you know, hey, Dad, is there anything that we can do to help out? And, you know, those conversations stuck with me and I thought about it a little bit. Um, I'd been a volunteer firefighter for several years. I'd been in the military. I work in healthcare. So just kind of put some of the pieces together and um, basically landed on the idea of, well, maybe I can get some medical supplies into Ukraine and then kind of figuring that out. So, well, you know, what would be a good vehicle to do that? Or how should I transport them over or whatever? And just kind of came up with the idea of, well, maybe if we got an ambulance, filled it full of supplies. They could have that. They could get it into Ukraine. They could use the ambulance, and they'd have the supplies. And I called up the uh, Ukrainian consulate out of Chicago on a, um, a workday evening, I think like 7 or 8 o'clock at night, left a message, said, hey, this is who I am. I have this idea. Call me back. Let me know if you are interested, thinking maybe the Red Cross or others had it covered, and they might tell me, hey, we don't need anything. We're fine. They called me back at like 9 or 10 o'clock at night or maybe even 11 o'clock at night the same night and said, yes, when can you get us the ambulance? Um, and it was about at that point that I realized I maybe just committed to uh, getting an ambulance to Ukraine. And so um, that began the process. I, uh, you know, I, I talked to my employer, said, hey, if I got an ambulance, would you fill it full of supplies, uh, OSF Healthcare? My employer said yes. I called a uh, private ambulance provider in central Illinois. Um, AMT of Central Illinois is the actual provider. I called them up. I said, hey, I've got this crazy idea. Um, by any chance, do you have any used ambulances? And I, again, again, I know it's a crazy idea. I think I said that a few times. And the first words out of the, the uh, uh, provider's mouth was, um, what do you need, gas or diesel? 
It wasn't anything else. Just what do you want, gas or diesel? And and literally within you know 24, 48 hours, I had an ambulance and I had supplies. And then it was just figuring out how to get it over there. Um, I was a little bit naive. I thought maybe I could get a military aircraft pretty easily. Um, I do government relations for my, my health system. So I, I, I work with members of Congress and, and senators. So I reached out to them and th- while everyone was interested and wanted to help, it became a very difficult, um, that was going to be a difficult path to, to go, to go down to try and, to try and piggyback, you know, on a military aircraft going from the United States to Poland with military supplies. So we pivoted and, um, with the Ukrainian consulate's help, they put me in contact with the group, uh, Ukrainian, uh, the Ukrainian Medical Association of North America out of Chicago. They were collecting um, a lot of supplies as well, and they just happened to have a donor that um, provided uh, funding for a 747-800 aircraft for their supplies. And they, we talked. They knew about my ambulance. They said, "Hey, um, we can make space." And on March 29th, uh, 2000, or 2022, we put the uh, first ambulance on a 747 out of Chicago and we flew it overseas. Um, and I'll tell you, I remember standing on that aircraft thinking, hey, mission's accomplished. I'm done. Wow, this is great. I can't believe that you know, we made it happen. Um, and then two days later, the phone rang or the next day, the phone rang and uh, it was the Ukrainian government and a couple others representing a few different NGOs. Um, operating in Ukraine, and they all said, hey, we heard you've got ambulances, or you got an ambulance. Um, we need 20 more. Can you get us 20 more? And I said, well, um, I kind of caught my breath for a minute and uh, said, well, I, I don't know if I can get you 20 more, but I'll try and get you a few more. And sure enough, uh, found another one, and by April 11th, we had the second one um, on another 747, and that got us started. Um, I'm happy to report now, um, since since that March 29th aircraft that March 29th ambulance, we now have 18 ambulances in Ukraine. Um, I've been there three times. I've personally driven in ambulances uh, in two different convoys um, into uh, different parts of Ukraine, into Rivna, to Kiev, and Lviv, Odessa, um, uh, really all over the country. Um, and I'm happy to report we've got another 10 ambulances lined up. Um, and now a few fire engines, actually, for the seventh shipment of ambulances. And one of those ambulances is uh, uh, one from uh, the Richmond Ambulance Authority that Mark uh, helped me get. So that's kind of – that's a quick little bring you up to speed as to where we are right now. That's an amazing backstory. And, uh, you know, crazy as it may seem, it's a great idea. So that, that, that's the first thing. Well, thanks. <laughs> now, so – we're talking only a week after I was actually in Richmond and I'd stopped in on my way to the Virginia EMS conference and to see Mark and uh, Chip Decker, the, the boss down there. And uh, Mark said, hey, come out and sign the ambulance. And so I was lucky enough to be one of the last signatures on the truck before it went away. But that said, RAA, Richmond Ambulance Authority, produced and provided an ambulance. And so, Mark, it's not just a case of you going, here, here it is, come and take it away. There's clearly a process you have to go through in order to get a truck, um, you know, agreed upon, approved, ready to go, selected. So take us through that story. Yeah, certainly, Rob. Um, Over the summer, uh, Chris actually tagged us on social media and said, hey, we'd love to have one of your ambulances for our effort. And it piqued my interest. And I checked out their Twitter page, uh, saw a CNN story, uh, which did a great job of explaining what the 
process was and what he was trying to do. And I reached out to him and he was great to work with, uh, very informative um, in terms of what they were trying to do and what they were looking for. And as you mentioned, it's not a process of just saying, yeah, we want to do this. Here you go. Here's an ambulance. Um, And for anyone that's not familiar with Richmond Ambulance Authority, we're not private. Um, We're quasi-governmental. And so we answer to our board of directors and on that board of directors uh, sits members from the city that we serve. Uh, So it had to go through uh, several processes um, in order for us to actually get approval for this ambulance donation. And I explained that in our initial conversation with Chris and he gave us a ton of information. Um, And when I say that he made this as easy as possible for our organization, he, he did. Um, He gave us all the answers to questions that we had and answers to questions that we didn't ask, but may have asked. Um, And so being armed with all that information really helped in trying to get this approved, um, especially with our board members and uh, with uh, the city leaders that we deal with. Um, Once we got approval, then the work of trying to actually figure out logistics, because we were going to use an ambulance that was getting ready to be retired, but we also had to wait for our new ambulances to enter our fleet before we could get these ambulances and the ambulance that ultimately was donated. Um, to Chris. And so it was figuring that timing out. In addition to that, uh, we wanted to see if we could get medical supplies donated um, to the group as well. And while we deal with many different hospital systems within our area, um, we actually reached out to the Virginia Hospital Healthcare Association so we wouldn't just limit ourselves to our region, but really uh, made this a statewide effort in terms of trying to get medical supplies uh, for for this group. And uh, that turned out to be great for us. Uh, We ended up getting more than $20,000 worth of medical supplies donated uh, for this trip. And uh, just a few weeks ago, um, our unit 85 uh, officially departed. Um, And again, like I said, Chris makes this very easy. We said, we need this gone by a certain date. And uh, before we knew it, a truck was here and someone was loading that truck and the medical supplies and the ambulance were uh, on its way. And uh, as far as, you know, the process being um, easy, it was it was extremely easy um, as soon as we got approval to make this happen. Excellent. And uh, before we carry on with the conversation, don't forget, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean and Amazon Music. And if you're enjoying this show, please take a moment to rate and review us. Give us five stars on the platform that you're listening to. And also don't forget that we are now on a platform of our own uh, EMS One Stop. We were in the stable with uh, Inside EMS, but of course we've now split out. Uh, We love you guys, but uh, we're now on our own. So please uh, make sure you do review us to put us up the ratings. Uh, And before we go any further, let's have a message from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioural health resources, news and analysis and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. 
Welcome back. I'm talking to Chris Manson and Mark Tenure and uh, U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine. Got to ask you the elephant in the room question, Chris. Of course, we're in a legislative pickle at the moment where we're talking to the government about, hey, we need more ambulances. We need more chips, more chassis. We need to be up the, the sort of table for getting this stuff done. But there are some that may say, hang on a second. So if you, if that's your problem, why are you giving them away for? So, you know, how do you address that when someone says, but I need all the trucks I've got when you ask them to spare one? Great question. So, um, and, and again, I understand, um, I, when I, when we do approach somebody, when I approach someone, I do understand it's a crazy ask. Hey, can you just give me an ambulance? Fire department, um, uh, EMS provider, private EMS provider, public EMS provider a health system or hospital. I get that. It's important to point out what I'm looking for is an ambulance that's end of life. Um, you know, again, I used to be in the fire service. Um, I used to be a volunteer firefighter. You know, I know um, all of our uh, EMS equipment, they have daily inspections, weekly inspections, and they can have a nice long life uh, in operation, but they become outdated. You know, at some point, there's a uh, you, you look at the cost of how much it costs to update a, a rig with new equipment versus how much it costs to replace or, you know to, to replace it outright and bring bring a new uh, rig online, and those are the ambulances that I'm looking for. I'm looking for an ambulance that's you know it, maybe it's been surplused. It's going to be surplused. Um, maybe maybe right now it's in a um, it's being used for. Um, hurricane response. You know, once a year it sits in a warehouse, but then for once a, once a year FEMA calls and it goes ahead and it, it does a uh, hurricane response. And now it's being replaced with, you know, a new one's come online and there's been a few more that have come in and it's basically pushing that one out. And so that's the ambulance that I'm looking for, an older one that's uh, serviceable, in good shape. Um, and it's, you know, basically if worst case, and I've had to have it happen, um, we've landed in Hamburg and we've driven it from Hamburg all the way into Kiev. So it's got to be functional. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be pretty. Um, I've sent ambulances that have a little bit of rust on them. They got a few dings and dents in them. Um, you know, you take out some of the radios, um, the GPS stuff is taken out of the, the, um, you know, the computers for the calls. I mean, they take some of that stuff out. Um, so when, but, but even that, used ambulance and I've had ambulances that I've sent over there from 1998. Um, and I've had others that have had over 330,000 miles on them. In fact, one of the ones I just drove from Poland to Kiev, um, it had 330,000 miles on it and it drove like a champ. Um, but when they get those ambulances, uh, in Ukraine and they compare them to either what they, what they have, which in some cases is still post Soviet union, um, uh, equipment which isn't that great, or they just don't have anything at all because um, their equipment's been destroyed by the Russians. They look at it as an amazing piece of equipment, and they're incredibly happy to have it. So, again, I, I'm looking for something that's basically on the way out at the fire department or the private ambulance provider. I'm not looking to take a top line uh, or a brand new or a front line type rig. That was a great answer, and thank you for answering that. I had to ask it because, as I say, some people just look at it as a fact that we're, we're, we're in a pickle. Why are we giving them away? So thank you for addressing that. Also, I just have to remind everybody, this is the third Ukraine-based podcast I've actually done. One of them, and, and do look back through the back catalogue, pick up my interview with Stefan Korshak, who's from the Kiev Post, and he's still out there right now reporting back, by the way. 
Also, I touched on the education and training, medical training, with uh, Dr. Sean Kivlihan from Harvard in an episode as well. So I'm delighted to continue the theme. Coming back to you, Mark, of course, you've got the ambulance set, you've got it prepared, and you're going to do a sort of massive press launch to, you know, promote the departure of the truck to raise awareness. And you didn't get just anybody to help you do this. You managed to find the the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee to come and launch. How did that happen? Yeah, well, luck. Obviously, it was just luck. Um, no, but seriously, uh, part of it is luck. Um, part of it is uh, knowing your audience. And so uh, when I talked to Chris, I said, uh, one of the things I want to do in addition to getting you an ambulance is really getting attention on your cause. Um Obviously, being the public relations manager for the Rich Man's Authority, I saw this as a public relations opportunity, but I also saw it as a worthy cause um, worth supporting. And so when I spoke to him, I said, use us as kind of one example um, to kind of shine a light on what you're doing and reignite interest in this movement. And I said, I will do everything I can to bring attention to what you're doing um, and use whatever connections we have to try and uh, get coverage and, and shine a light on this. And so uh, getting approval seemed like the easy part because um, after that, it was actually putting the event together and getting um, everyone we could to uh, try and attend. And so we put out um, invitations to uh, different politicians, um, asking them if they'd be interested in being part of a press event. And um, Senator Warner had actually been uh, at our headquarters last year for another event having to do with gun violence. Um, So we had somewhat of a connection already with the senator. Um, And as you mentioned, um, he's the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Um, So this is something that he has spoken uh, at length about uh, within Congress. Uh, And so this is an issue that he was familiar with, something he supported, um, and that was one of the things that uh, we tried to get across in our invitation to him, um, that we were familiar with his work and we were familiar with um, all the things he has said in public about supporting Ukraine. And we thought this would be a great, great example of communities coming together to support that country um, and their fight for democracy. And we were fortunate um, to not only get Senator Mark Warner, but also our Virginia Secretary of Health and Human Resources, um, John Littell there as well, um, who works for our uh, Republican governor, uh, Senator Mark Warner is a Democrat. And that was one of the things that was also important to us to show that this effort really is uh, bipartisan um, and it does cross party lines. And by having both of them there for what turned out to be a wonderful event, um, Chris actually came down as well. Um, We got a great reception, um, and we also had a a ton of state and local leaders uh, that they were in attendance as well. Um, And I think we got what we were intending to get in terms of publicity and coverage um, out of that press event. And, uh, you know, I've told Chris that we'll continue to try and, and help him out and get uh, as much publicity on this as possible. Good job. And let me just break out of the Amulets for Ukraine discussion and break into the political legislating discussion. Well done, Richmond Amulets Authority, because everyone needs to be a friend or be familiar to their locally elected officials, whether it's a council person or whether it's a senator, and have them over to see how EMS works. Because I'm sure, Mark, that not only did you talk about Amulets for Ukraine, you managed to talk about EMS 
in the round. And so I, I mean, I'm sure you did. So again, there's a takeaway for everybody. Now, Mark, of course, one of the things I said to you sort of semi-jokingly is, well, why don't you stick an Apple tracker in it to see chart its progress? But Chris, you tell me that's not such a good idea, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you know, th- these ambulances that we get, obviously, when we get them over to, um, to um, Poland, where we stage them, um, before we go in, they've got no registration. They don't have license plates, stuff like that. So, you know, you either got to put them on trucks or you got to figure out a special way to drive them across. And luckily, I, I, won't, I don't want to give away too much, but we luckily have a, a good relationship with the Polish government. And um, we have some opportunities to convoy them in um, from our staging area to the border. And we were paired up with some uh, uh, military personnel as far as the convoy goes, but in doing so, they made sure to um, go through all of our stuff. Through all, we had all seven ambulances packed up. We had, um, we knew where everything was going to go, and we thought we, we were ahead of the game because we did it the day before before we were going to go into uh, Ukraine. So all seven ambulances were just filled to the brim with supplies. And we get to this area where we meet with our convoy, uh, where we're staged, and we're going to meet with the convoy people. And they say, okay, we're going to go ahead and search your vehicles for tracking devices and explosive devices. So we need to take everything out of every one of your ambulances. So we they they took everything out down to the blood pressure cuffs, and we're looking in the blood pressure blood pressure cuff bags for things. I mean, it was amazing how much they took out of these ambulances. And so we got to repack them a second time. But uh, yeah, I think a GPS tracking device probably would have been an issue. And in fact, they even asked me about that at one point, and I made it very clear. Um, no, no, no. You know, they've taken out, we've, we've taken out all the computers and everything. There's nothing that can be tracked on these things. So it actually came up. Well, I'm glad I asked the question and I'm glad you gave me the answer then. But uh, in terms of tracking though, do you know where the ambulances that are in country are and actually any kind of feedback on how they've been used? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. One, you know, it was asked, um, well, well, we're talking about people trusting us to go ahead and give us an ambulance. I mean, um, you know, uh, Richmond Ambulance Authority, I take this trust very seriously. He said, okay, we're going to give Chris and his group um, an ambulance and, um, you know, and, and everyone else that's giving me an ambulance, we're going to give this ambulance to this, for this cause. And so we do take tracking these and knowing where they're going to go very seriously. For example, um, the, the, my 18 ambulances that we have in Ukraine right now, um, I know exactly where, where they're at, what military units they're at, what parts of the country they're at, um, the 10 that we're going to be sending. I have letters from different um, commanding officers and other military units saying, hey, can I, can I have an ambulance? Or from fire chiefs saying, hey, can I have an ambulance? Or from a, from a hospital. So I have all this information so that I know where they're going. And what uh, Mark and the Richmond Ambulance Authority is going to see soon is they'll get pictures back from that ambulance um, at our warehouse in Baltimore where we're staging it right now before we put it on a ship in a few weeks. When it gets to Germany, we'll work to get pictures of it in Germany as it gets off the port or gets out of the port. When we get staged in Poland, same thing. We'll have to try and get pictures. And then when we go into Ukraine, um, the, the, verdict's, uh, ha- the verdict's still out about whether or not I'm going to go over for a fourth trip. But it's looking like that'll probably happen. And if it does, I'll be there taking pictures as we you know, basically line up um, to cross the border. And then as we go in, and then for the ultimate delivery of the ambulances so that I can report back to Mark and Richmond Ambulance Authority and every other donor hey, you've given me this ambulance It is now on the front line or it is at this hospital and it is in service. And we have pictures back 
of ambulances that have been donated that are in camouflage, um, that have their medic crew, that have their armed security for their medic crew. I have other pictures of ambulances on the front line near Kursan with tanks rolling by. Um, and I share that with those, uh, with, with the donors. And I put some of that stuff on our Twitter feed just so people know that um, we do take that accountability seriously. I think it's amazing just to feed back on the, the progress of these vehicles. Uh, but before they get painted in camouflage, Mark, of course, one of the things that you did at Richmond was invite folk in to sign off on the truck or sign the truck. You know, one of the things uh, I had a conversation with Chris about was there are a lot of people that want to support and show their support uh, for the people of Ukraine, but they just don't have an outlet. And a lot of folks are just wondering, what can I do? What can we do in, in trying to show our support um, for this country and what they're going through? And what Chris has done is provided that outlet. And so we thought, you know, we know there are a lot of people out there that are in support of what is going on and their fight for democracy. Let's give them an outlet and let's allow them to come and write messages of support on our ambulance. And we had our staff members, we had people from across the community uh, come by and write messages of support on the ambulance. And actually uh, the last uh, two people to write messages of support on our ambulance. Um, one was um, a woman named Laura and she's a Ukrainian native and she still has family there. And she was so thankful to be able to come and do something to show that she was supporting and had a connection to her native land. And she brought her husband, Dave, and they wrote messages um, in their native language. And it was just a really impactful moment for me to, to see someone that is more closely impacted by, by this than anybody else that, that I had met. Um, and, and that really was what it's all about is, is we're supporting these people. And as you mentioned, Rob, uh, before, certainly in EMS, and we got this message across, we've had a lot to deal with in the past two and a half years with the pandemic, uh, staffing shortages, you name it. Um, but when the opportunity presents itself, EMS shows up and we help people. And that's what this is about. And Chris created something that allows us to do what we already do on a normal basis, which is help people. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I think is amazing about these agencies across the country. You know, as one reporter asked me, you know, could you use that money f that you would have gotten for, for that ambulance? Yes, absolutely. We could use that money. Uh, but the value we would have gotten from that ambulance is not nearly the value that the people of Ukraine would get um, from it. So it's, it's an easy choice. And, and I'm happy to see so many agencies across the country step up, um, knowing the challenges that they've been going through. Yeah. And you know, the one thing to just uh, add, Rob, to what Mark was saying about those signatures, you know, I'm so happy that Mark got to see the reaction um, of, of people in the United States. I also had the pleasure, um, I think it was the uh, second trip, we drove a couple ambulances in. One was an international 4300 from, uh, from a health system in Ohio, ProMedica, and then I drove a uh, El, uh, El Paso, Illinois uh, E450 ambulance in. And we got, along the way, we would stop, and ProMedica had asked their employees if they wanted to sign the, that ambulance, and they had. And the reactions that I saw from people, I mean, I saw growing men and women crying when they read the uh, when they read what were on the ambulances. You'd see people 
go up, we'd park somewhere and people would come up and the people that could speak English would translate English to people that could only speak Ukrainian. There was some Ukrainian on there and you would literally see people put their hands on the ink and trace the words and trace the letters. And it was that support from the people, seeing that support from the people. Honestly, I think it, it was, it gave um, your the the Ukrainians that saw those messages a level of hope that was probably just as important as having that ambulance there. And so I'm just, you know, I'm so happy that um, Mark was able to get this set up so that people had the opportunity to sign him here in the United States for his ambulance. And I'm happy he's able to see that kind of reaction because um, it it really does speak to the best of people. um, And they're just wanting wanting to connect with with their fellow human beings suffering, you know, in a country, you know, 6,000 or five, 6,000 miles away. So really, uh, really moving kind of thing. That's truly uplifting. Um, classic podcast to journalist interviewer question. So finally, is there anything I haven't asked or anything else that you want to add? Two things real quick. One, so the last trip that we made into Ukraine, we had a convoy of seven ambulances. Unfortunately, we picked the week that Russia decided to amp up its um, bombing and drone strikes. And, um, you know, at one point we were actually told, hey, you shouldn't even come in. Don't bring those ambulances into Ukraine. You'll be a tar- you're going to be a target. Um, and I got to tell you, we, we had a team of Americans that we brought. Um, some were actually owners of an ambulance company that donated. Had, they've donated uh, four ambulances out of Minnesota and um, North Dakota or South Dakota. I'm sorry. And, you know, we all talked amongst ourselves and it was determined, now we've come this far. These ambulances are needed. We're going to go ahead and we'll get them in there. And we did and we were successful. Um but I'll tell you, every single place that we went uh, was hit uh, by either missiles or drone strikes the day before or the day after. But I can also tell you that all those ambulances that we delivered are now in service. And it, there's, uh, you know, th- there's just something about um, the fact that everyday Americans across the country, um, fire departments, ambulance providers, um, uh local government ambulance providers, hospitals have come together to donate these ambulances and fill these things up with equipment that, you know, I think really a lot of people can, people can be very proud that um, especially in this industry uh, in the EMS industry, uh, they can be really proud of their, their colleagues because I got to tell you, not a single person that I've approached to ask for help with this stuff has said no to me. They might not have an ambulance, but they got a gurney. They might not have a gurney, but maybe they got a cardiac monitor. Um, and it's just been overwhelming. And I got to tell you, there there wasn't a place I would have rather been um, on October 18th when we crossed over with those ambulances. I wouldn't have want, I wouldn't have wanted to be anyplace else in the world because it's just so it's such an uplifting experience to be a part of this. So I, I think Mark, I think the other ambulance providers, um, I think the Richmond Ambulance Authority, the the um, uh, hospital association, just everyone that's participated because they've just been so generous and gracious. It's just been amazing. So sorry, a long answer, long answer to your question, but. No, a great long answer to my question. And uh, thank you for doing that. If we want to take part in this, if we want to get involved, if we want to learn more, uh, how do we do that? You know, the easiest thing you can do is you can, if you've got access to Twitter, go to ambulances, you, that's the word ambulances, plural with the letter U at the end. Uh, when I started this, I wasn't sophisticated in social media, so that's what I landed on. Um, so you can find U.S. ambulances for Ukraine, um, but that's the Twitter feed. 
Um, or you can give me, uh, you can shoot me an email. I work at, uh, I work for OSF Healthcare. So um, I'm Christopher.m.manson at OSFHealthcare.org and I'll get back to you. And I would love more ambulances, would love them. So we'll put all of that in the notes and do get in touch with Chris if you want to uh, help along. And remember, this now isn't just ambulances, it's medical equipment. And one of the things that we certainly saw from the PR out of Richmond is the truck leaving with not only the ambulance on the back, but Mark, how many pallets of, uh, of equipment? Uh, there were eight, uh, eight pallets total, and then we got about, I would say, four and a half pallets into the ambulance, and then we probably had four pallets left over that needed to be loaded um, onto the flatbed. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff. Quite remarkable, and kudos to everybody. Uh, we've we've had Chris's contact details, Mark. If we want to follow you and actually catch up with a story from your perspective, how can we do that? Yeah, you can look on our social media channels, uh, Twitter, R-A-A-E-M-S. Um, it's on Facebook. It's also R-A-A-E-M-S. And on Instagram, R-A-A underscore E-M-S. Um, and we'll continue to update this story uh, as soon as we get developments from, from Chris. So if you want to get involved, uh, this is the how you do it. Um, remember that uh, you may have an ambulance that has been previously enjoyed, ridden hard, put away wet, um, and it's got no further life here. Here's a possible opportunity to do something really, really special. And so, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with me. And uh, again, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to keep up and, of course, uh, give you lots of uh, social media following and, and retweeting. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. And again, just thanks to everyone in the EMS community for the support with this because it's been great. It's on time. This has been another edition of EMS One Stop. Uh, thank you to my guests, uh, Mark and Chris. Uh, this has been EMS One Stop. I've been Rob Lawrence. And don't forget, you can keep up with me on Twitter at UKRobL1 or over on LinkedIn. So until next time, bye for now. <laughs>